Money is a tricky thing. By itself, it can bring some happiness and blessing, but often money, or the lack of, can become a burden that we all deal with. I'm Joseph Williams, an intern here at West Valley Christian Church, where we exist to love God and love people. We're in a series inspired by the book, The ABCs of Financial Freedom by Barry Cameron. Let's listen and discover the principles of building the foundation for financial freedom in our lives. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm Pastor Rob Denton, and I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here, and it's good to be with you. And uh, how many of us wish that uh, we could just live that right there, that uh, we wouldn't find ourselves in this trap of buying things that uh, we can't afford? I remember at the young age of about 10, 11 years old, one of my family members told me this, and I've held on to it. Uh, it, They simply said this, if you don't have the cash to buy it, you don't need it. Those are easier uh, words said than done. Amen, church? There's a great uh, saying I came across this week. It says, we all have a tendency to buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even know, mortgaging a future we won't be able to enjoy because of a past we can't forget, and that's why the present stinks. Most people don't want to look at their finances for the same reason that they don't want to step on a bathroom scale. Yes, we're starting a brand new series today, the ABCs of finances. And really, we are praying as a staff that this will be life-changing. Not only for us as a staff as we talk about it, but for we as a church. Because I know we can laugh about some of the things that have already been shared, some of the things that we've already seen. But the truth is, This topic of finances is a pit in so many people's stomachs here today. We're doing this to help you get your household in order. Amen? It's something that we don't like to talk about. The honest truth, it's something I don't talk about often enough from the stage but the Bible certainly talks a lot about it. We could joke about the book that uh, Steve Martin was talking about here in the video clip, but the truth is for the next five weeks, this is the book we look at. If we wanna get our act together financially, this is the book that we look at. This is where we're gonna find principles, patterns, conviction, on how to live our life best in this area of finances. (laughs) The average person doesn't believe that they actually have a problem in this area. As long as they're making their monthly payments, as long as they have some money to go out and eat and see a movie, and as long as we can continue to take care of the things that we desire, then everything is just fine. I uh, had the privilege of going to the beach this weekend with uh, some of my family that was still in town. And uh, we went paddle boarding. Now I've paddle boarded a lot in Lake Tahoe. It's flat. <laughs> Malibu Beach is a little different. You've got these things called waves. 
And so uh, my sister Denise, she had never paddleboarded and she wanted to go for this. And my brother Jim was, or uh, Will was already out there paddleboarding. And so she was going to make her way out there. And I'm like, Denise, here's the deal. You got these waves and you've got a 10 and a half foot board and you're just this little girl. So it's going to be really important that you watch these waves come in. And when the set has kind of slowed down before the next one, you need to paddle for your life so that you don't have to deal with these waves. And so she did, and she did a great job, and she got out there, but somehow she started to drift back in, and so she's in between sets of waves, and I'm watching this from the shore. And I could see the set of waves coming, and I'm thinking, this is not going to be good. And there's my sister, and I'm yelling, don't ride the wave. And the next thing you know, this, this big wave is coming, and I'm thinking, this is disastrous. She's on the board. She's got the paddle. She's dropped down to her stomach. But now she's, she's parallel with the wave that's coming. And again, I'm yelling, don't ride the wave. And she turns the board and it's facing as if she's a surfer and she's going to take this thing in. Now, the area that we were in, there were rocks all over the place. And I'm not talking about pebbles. I'm talking about rocks. And we saw it when there was low tide. And I'm just sitting from shore, not being able to do anything. And I'm watching this about to unfold. And by the grace of God, at the last moment, she had the wherewithal to let go of the board. And she kind of duck-dived through the wave, and the board just went flying and coming crashing into shore. And my heart was like, oh my gosh, this could have been so bad. And the reason I share that with you is I think some of us are holding on to the finances and we're in the midst of all these waves and we're trying to do things in this area that we have no clue about what we're doing. Because the truth is, most of us are modeling only what was modeled to us by people that didn't know what they were doing. Can I get an amen? And so her letting go of that board saved her life. If she held on to that thing, I have no clue what would have happened to her. I have a pillow here representing, maybe it's 100 pounds. And if I'm holding on to this pillow with everything I've got, with the waves of life, eventually what is going to happen to me in that ocean? If I don't let go of this thing, oh, I might be able to handle it for a little bit, but eventually it's going to take me what? It's going to take me down, isn't it? I want you to picture this pillow as finances. And some of us are so holding tight onto the finances of our life with the waves going on all around us that if we don't let go it's going to take us down you've seen that happen with people around you in your life maybe you've seen it happen in your own life I know this with as many people that are sitting in here. There are some right now that are holding on so tight in this area that this illustration is way too close to home. Again, my heart and the staff's heart is that we would learn to let go.
in this series and let God so that we don't get taken down. Father in heaven, help me to communicate your truths here today. Help me to communicate what it is that you want shared. Help us to be attentive. Help us to be open. And God, may we be as bold as to ask that pillows would be dropped throughout the next five weeks. That freedom would be experienced. God, through your Holy Spirit, we ask for your continued presence to be here today. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. There was an article in USA Today, December 29th, 2009. The title of the article was Mind Over Matter. Here's some of the things that this article said. Don't feel bad if you have money issues. They're not your doing. The article went on to say, according to the authors, the accusations that your financial difficulties are your fault and stem from being lazy, crazy, greedy, or stupid is the big lie about your personal finances. Church, if that article was in front of me, I'd want to throw up all over it. But the truth is, it plays into the mentality that is so prevalent here in 2018. It's not my fault. And we play victim. Well, whatever the thing is that's happened in our life, we play victim to it and we want to point to everybody else as the one uh, for the reason why we are in the situation that we're in. And we do this with finances too. I, I, I find myself barely hanging on, barely surviving in this area of finances because I just don't make enough. I, I just don't earn what I'm supposed to earn or because there's no jobs out there or because what, dot, 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 dot. As we have perfectly manicured fingernails, as our hair is perfectly set up straight and as we've got the car filled with gas and we're eating out at a nice restaurant and we're going to a Dodger game and we're having the, the, the $7 Dodger dog and all that stuff. Again, none of what I just shared is bad, but it's so contradictory that we would sit there and go, I don't have enough, yet we continue to live this lifestyle over here. And please hear me throughout this series. Stuff is not bad. That's not what this is about. Stuff is not bad. But keeping up with the Joneses is... Living beyond our means is. And the reality is this article, Mind Over Matter, is baloney. We can't blame anyone else but ourselves. And that's okay. That doesn't make us a bad person if we're in a bad situation with finances today. I say own it. Amen? Just go, okay, this is what it is. And if you're in a good place with finances, own that. And I bet you got there because you had to own the other earlier in life. And you've had to make some tough choices. It's the same with health and weight and, and all that kind of stuff, right? 
You got to own it. No one's shoving the food down your throat that's causing whatever diseases you're struggling with. Or if you're too skinny or, or, or too, too fat, whatever the situation is, we have to just sit there and own it. And that's what I love. As we talk about the ABCs of finances today, we start off with attitude. It's about attitude. Saying that you and I are responsible, which is opposite than what the world is teaching us. I don't know, I just got here. They did it. It's almost as dumb as the guy in New York who sued three fast food chains for making them fat. You remember that, July 2002? He filed a lawsuit against McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's, KFC, claiming that they they helped contribute to his obesity. Now actually, I would file just the opposite lawsuit because I can't eat any of the food, it's so bad. Anyways, well, he didn't win, but guess what? Well, let me me tell you actually something, ABC, he was on ABC Good Morning America and he said, they never explained to me what I was eating. (laughs) Again, it's their fault. He didn't win, but a guy in Brazil did. In 2010, he won $17,500 in damages. He sued McDonald's, he's 32 years old, for making him fat and blamed the fast food chain for the free lunches that he was receiving. Here's the ironic thing, (laughs) he's a manager. (laughs) Manager of McDonald's. It's like the truck driver from Texas who drove through the Lincoln Tunnel, New Jersey to Manhattan in his big rig, and it was loaded with uh, uh, bathtubs and toilets and plumbing fixtures. And, and this wouldn't be a problem ordinarily to take this truck through this tunnel, except for the fact that the truck stood 13 feet, six inches high. The tunnel stood 13 feet. And so for a mile and a half, who knows why he didn't stop at whatever point, for a mile and a half, it was just like a tin can opener right on the top, and it just ripped the top of that truck off. And uh, you're going to see a picture here in just a moment of what this thing looked like. Maybe. (laughs) You think about what happens in life. Yeah, there it is. And you go, why did I find myself in this situation? How in the world did I get here? And you want to blame everybody for that happening. When we have to look at ourselves. There's a lot of things in life that shouldn't happen. But they do. Why? Because like the truck driver in the tunnel, we don't heed the what? The warnings. We think we're fine. We think we don't need anyone telling us what to do. So we what? We keep on going. Even when it means we may destroy the very things and the people that mean the most to us. We just keep holding on. Sinking deeper 
and deeper and deeper. Can I give you permission to take a deep breath right now and look in the mirror and say, God, help me on this five-week journey. Like I said, we got everything from A to Z here with the finances. Some of you are good to go, and some of you are barely hanging on. Wherever we're at, this journey will take us to letting go and letting God. I want to encourage you to open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians. And if you need a Bible, raise your hand. And these fine gentlemen are making their way down. And uh, we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 29. What a great foundational passage as we talk about this topic of finances. The temple's being built. Gifts are being given. Uh, King David, who we just finished studying about his life a few months ago, has given all these resources of his own to help build this kingdom along with others. And then you kind of see a a time of reflection, a, a, a time of prayer. And this is where we enter into this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 29, verse 10. Church, I would, I would highly encourage you to highlight this or to underline this and make this your prayer. No chapter, what did I say? First Corinthians, I'm sorry, did I say first Corinthians? First Chronicles. I was just making sure you knew your Bibles. First Chronicles chapter 29. There you go. It's other half of the book. First Chronicles chapter 10, chapter 29, verse 10. There we go. I'm just telling you right now, it's the drugs. Not the kind you're thinking. Anyways, First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 10. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly. Can you picture this? David, King David. He's excited. His heart is full. And he says this prayer. Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to what? Everlasting. Your Lord, your, yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything, for what? For what? For everything in heaven, everything. What does everything mean, church? Everything means everything, whether it's Greek or Hebrew or Latin or Spanish or whatever it is. For everything in heaven and earth is what? It's yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you what? We give you thanks and praise your glorious name. Can you see the sweetness of David's prayer? Can you see his heart? 
Can you see his attitude? Can you see his perspective? Again, it'd be really easy to just jump into this book and read this prayer and just go, well, okay, yeah, that's a man after God's own heart. But remember, especially if you, those of you that went on that journey with us in the book uh, or the life of David, we saw that David's life was filled with good, it was filled with bad, and it was filled with ugly. It's just not like he had a kumbaya life, like everything was just, you know, unicorns and rainbows, right? But David went through a lot of stuff. And even with all that stuff, he's saying, God, to you be the glory. But the key thing for us as we talk about finances is this passage that says everything in heaven and earth is what? yours. Do you believe that? See, I, I believe there's, there's many of us in here can say amen to that. Well, yeah, I get it. I, I even shared in my top 10 uh, things that I've learned on this earth last week in 50 years. One of the things that I shared is my stuff is really his stuff. That's one of the things I learned, but I didn't wake up like that. It's taken me a long time to understand it's not mine, 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 like the Looney Tune theology of Daffy Duck. But it's his, his, his. Anytime I've ever spoken on finances, Pastor Kirby could tell you this, I I don't ever really speak on finances. I speak on lordship. Because really when we talk about finances, it has nothing really to do with finances until we understand whose it is, we're gonna be jacked up. We're gonna get things messed up. Because really the, the topic of this right here is more about lordship. Lordship leads to stewardship, which leads to generosity. And sometimes we get that all flipped up and flipped around and we wonder why we are at where we're at with our finances. The world doesn't teach what I'm sharing here today. More importantly, the world doesn't teach what God says. Because we're just taught, especially in America, it's like you worked hard for it, it's yours. And now you fast forward to 2018, someone else worked hard for it and it's yours. Sorry. Notice what he said. Everything in heaven and on earth is what? Yours. Verse 12, both riches and honor come from you and you rule over us. In your hand, it is it is to make great and to give strength to all. Then he says, whom I am. It's all about God. Who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give anything to you? All things come from who? You. All we gave you was already yours. If we're ever gonna be able to achieve financial freedom, it begins with our attitude. And for the rest of the message, I would like to suggest five attitude changes. Before I get to number one, there's a great quote I came across. This is by William James. He says, the greatest discovery of my generation is that a human being can alter his life by altering his attitude. That leads us back to free will, amen? Some of you at 50, 60, 70 years old, 
could still make changes in this area today. You have the power over your attitude. And for our young ones, I'm jealous. Especially tonight, I'll have a bunch of junior hires and high schoolers that sit over in this area. I wish I would have heard this when I was 20. I see Bill Rose over here smiling, amen? I wish. But it's not too late, my friends. Number one, I don't need a plan to, if I don't follow God's plan, I don't have a prayer. This is the attitude change. We need to go from, I don't need a plan. Ah, I don't need a plan. It's all just going to work out. To, if I don't follow God's plan, I don't have a prayer. You can't afford to keep driving through the tunnel if everything is wrong. Can I tell you something that I've learned? This area of financial freedom doesn't just happen. It just, you just don't wake up and ta-da, you're all set. It's an attitude. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 says this. Without a vision, the people will perish. You have to see it, taste it, and smell it. If you want to be debt-free, if you want to have this area of your life under control, you have to see it. This picture hangs in my office, and I've told you that this before. It's Anaheim, piece of property in Anaheim. And then superimposed on it is the Magic Castle of Disneyland. And there's, there's Walt Disney, and it says vision. And underneath it, it says this. It's kind of fun to do the impossible. You see, where everyone else looked at this property, they saw dirt. But Disney saw the Magic Castle. When you look at your finances... What do you see? Do you see, man, I'm just gonna get by. I'm just hanging in there. I'm just gonna just live like everyone else in debt and just accumulate it. And, or do you see that there's hope? Do you see what nobody else sees? Because I'll tell you this, a real vision says I can't, but we can. Amen? This vision doesn't come from Facebook. It doesn't come from Google. I promise you, you're not going to see it on a commercial. It comes from this book. We're going to always have to fight what the world is telling us in this area because we live in a consumer-driven world. But I want to tell you what God's word says. You don't have to go down with your finances. And yet many of us are driven every day 
and are affected by our decisions in this area of our life. Have you ever stopped to think what your life would be like if you were debt free? Have you ever thought to think about instead of paying interest on your home and paying interest on the car and paying interest on the credit card, that you started putting that money in savings and that money started paying you interest? It's not unfeasible. We have people sitting in our church that could get up here and testify to the life change that's happened in their lives in this area. I had one lady that was very uh, involved in our church and has since moved. And she heard that we were doing this series. And she goes, I heard this series about 12 years ago. It changed my life. And she went on to tell me the specific things that happened. Unbelievable what God could do in our life. But we got to see it, taste it, smell it, want it. Proverbs 16.3 says this, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. If you want to achieve financial freedom, you've got to change your attitude. I've got to change my attitude. Here's the second attitude change that needs to happen. What I do with my money is my business and it needs to be changed to what I do with God's money is God's business. And that's a great understanding, again, of, of, of understanding that everything we have, Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the talents talks about this. Everything that we have is his. All he is asking us to do is to be great stewards with it. If I give you my possessions and I loan it to you and I say to watch over my house or to watch over my children or watch over uh, uh, my car or watch over whatever it is, I'm expecting you, yeah, to use it, but to, to take care of it. And that's all God is doing is, 100% of everything Rob Denton has, 100% of everything you have is God. And all he's saying is, I trust you with my stuff. Just be a good steward with it. What I do with my money is my business to what I do with God's money is God's business. The third attitude changes this. There's nothing I could do. And we need to change that mindset to there's nothing God can't do. Amen? You remember that passage in Ephesians? Ephesians chapter 3. Turn there with me. Ephesians chapter 3. I think I gave you the right book this time. We'll see. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than what we ask or imagine according to his power that is worked within us, to him be the glory uh, in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. You see, I can't, but God can, amen? Now, throughout this series, I'll probably share this more with you, but the, the personal truth of Rob Denton and Lisa Denton's story is we're just, we just barely made it, barely made it for 23 years of our marriage in the area of finances, most, just like most of you. It was paycheck to paycheck. And when they say the average American is three months away from being on the streets... That is truth. If you look at who is going to the homeless shelters now, I've heard this from Lori and Ken Kraft, and I've seen it myself. It is not what it used to be back in the day. We are three months away, most Americans, from being out on the streets. 
And so Lisa and I were paycheck to paycheck. We were like most typical young families and, and the young kid and just trying to make it. And we weren't, we weren't you know, struggling. We weren't in the sense, you know, starving or anything. We were just making it. For 20, 24 years of our life, we had zero in savings, zero. That makes me flip out today when I say that. And it was about this time four years ago where we kind of had a business meeting and I said, let's get, let's get all the numbers down there. And I said, we need to have some goals. And we set some goals and one of them was to have zero credit card debt by that end of that year. And then the following year, it was to have $5,000 in savings. And I'm gonna hear, tell you right now because we couldn't do that, but because we grabbed a hold of God's vision and God's plan for our life, we the next year superseded our goal of having no credit card debt and having $5,000 plus in savings. And all I can say is the only reason that happened is we stopped, we called a timeout and said, we got to do something about this. This is our goal. Let's make some changes and move forward. And I'm telling you from there on out, I've, God has really been blessing. And then it allows us to match our heart of generosity where we couldn't always be generous, even though we wanted to give to certain things. Now God allows us to be in that situation where we could give beyond what we could ever imagine to situations. Church, that could be for all of us. By the way, that wasn't just for the Denton family. When I took over two years ago, the first meeting I had with Cynthia Wagner, our operations director, was with our finances. And I saw all the finances. And I said, here's the goals. This is what I see happening from September to January 1st. And Cynthia called me on January 2nd when I was at Costco and she was crying. She goes, I just did all the numbers for, for that year. And she goes, Bob, I can't believe it. We hit those goals. And she goes, now in hindsight, she said this. She didn't tell me this at times. She goes, but when you told me those goals, I thought he is crazy. And what she didn't know is when I was telling her goals, those goals, I was thinking I'm crazy. But here's the deal. I'm crazy. She might be crazy. We're all crazy, but God isn't. And so God can do immeasurably more than we can think or act or imagine in our lives. You may be sitting here going, Pastor, you're saying all this stuff, but you have no clue how much debt we're in. You have no clue all the craziness that's going on in my life. And you're right, I don't, but he does. Let go of the pillow, give it to him. And I'm telling you, we are excited as a staff because we feel like this church is going to be set free in so many ways in our own households and then as a church. And the devil don't want to hear that message. I'm telling you, uh, all joking aside, I, I do not feel good at all. My mind is so whacked out on so many things just to be able to think with the sinuses and all that. And then I, I could give you all the reasons. But part of it is the devil doesn't want this message preached. You can have victory. It's attitude change. You got to go, number four, giving to get something to giving for no other reason than I love God. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Do you believe that? Uh, it's hard transition for me. It was a hard transition for me. Because at 18, when I gave my life to Christ, it was still all about me. 
I had a lot of me I had to get out of there. And a lot of, I want this stuff and that stuff. You know, there's um, four levels of giving. There's the number one, the hesitant giver. These are the people who don't know if they could trust God. They're the people that think that they can't afford to give back to God. They're the people who think that, they think of all the reasons why not to give. But they struggle to find a right reason to give. Then there's the obedient people. They know what scripture says and it's all God's stuff and, and uh, 100% of it is and he asked for 10% back and so they're just faithful. They're people that do what they're supposed to do. Malachi chapter three, verse 10. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. It says I do it, so I do it. The obedient person is like someone driving the speed limit, always going 55. It's not necessarily joyless or joy-filled giving. It's just obedience. And then there's the third giver. They're the abundant one. These people do what they do beyond what they're supposed to do. These people bring the tithe and they also give the offering. They go beyond what is expected to what is exhilarating. They're full of joy and expectation about what God could do. The fourth level of a giver is that extravagant person. These people give sacrificially. They bring God's tithe, they give their offering, and then they go beyond that and continue to give, give, give. Matter of fact, these people love to give and look for ways to give. I, I came across one this week, very generous person that wanted to take care of a situation here at the church. And I said, no, 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 we're not asking for that. We're just, I just need advice on something. And they're like, no, no, no. And I said, no, I, I, you can't do this. <laughs> And this person, she, she put me in my place. She goes, you can't take away this blessing from me. Incredible, extravagant gift that she wanted to give. What level are you? Are you the hesitant giver? Are you the obedient giver? Are you the abundant giver? Are you the extravagant giver? It's all about attitude. The honest truth is if it's my stuff, I don't give it. It's mine. Oh, I'll let you borrow it, but it's mine. I worked hard for it. It's mine. But what this book has taught me is, no, it's his. And I get to be a steward of it. Am I hesitant giver? Am I an obedient giver? Am I an abundant giver? Am I an extravagant giver? Again, I don't know your situation, but I know this. If we want to be debt-free, if we want to have a great understanding of what it means to have financial freedom, it starts with our attitude. It starts with my attitude. The last one, the last attitude is this. Going from honoring God with my wealth is where I want to end up to honoring God with my wealth is where I want to begin. Proverbs chapter three, verse nine Proverbs chapter three, 
verse 9, says this. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. My sons, do not despise the Lord's discipline, and do not resent his rebuke. Randy Alcorn says this, it is impossible to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus without also becoming a fully developed steward of your resources. We've got to, and I've got to learn to do it God's way. And we've got to follow God's plan. I don't know what the Lord has done in your heart this morning, but I know what he's done in mine, and it's a process. It's a process. First letting go of the pillow, grabbing his vision for not what is, but what can be, and then enjoying the ride, enjoying the ride. Father, help my attitude, help our attitudes in this area of finances. Help us to grab a hold of what it is that you desire for us. For those of us that are scared, give us strength. For those of us that are confused, give us clarity. For those of us that have no vision, paint a picture for us. Lord, I love you. We love you. In the powerful name of Jesus. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at WVCCH. If you'd like more information about our church or services, please visit our website, WVCCH.org. Thank you for listening. You forget all my rebellion.